First and foremost, God, we give you the glory today. We ask you to give us the grace to speak, to hear, to listen, to take in, to be changed by you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Mend broken hearts and break hard hearts. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get it going. You ready? I don't know if you've noticed or not, but there's been this lamp on the platform since before the service began. How many of you noticed that? Good, very observant. Many of you probably noticed it. You probably wondered about it for a minute. You might have made a comment about it. You might have, maybe you like it, maybe you hate it. At some point, though, you forgot about it. At some point, you look past it. You stopped focusing on it. Let me tell you why. It's not doing anything. Uh-oh, goes here. Now, don't get me wrong. It was designed to do something. It was created to do something. It has purpose. It has ability. As a matter of fact, I checked it through and through. It has everything that it needs to do what it was created to do. The only reason it's not doing anything is because it's not connected. It's not connected. And because it's not connected, it's not serving its purpose. Because it's not connected, it's not useful to anyone. It's not blessing anyone. It's not helping anyone. How many of you know this is Bible already? Unfortunately, if you look around in most churches, there are too many lamps that don't shine. And so we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about unity, about coming together. And I want to end this series today. I want to talk to you about connections. I want to take it a step further because I've seen in close to 25 years of church ministry that people can come together, we can assemble and not be connected. It's like you can have 500 friends, friends on Facebook, but not one person you can talk to. Y'all don't understand what I'm saying. Okay, I get it. I get it. We can gather and not get plugged in. And so you're probably thinking now, okay, pastor's going to plug it in. It's going to shine all pretty. We'll clap. Very cheesy, very corny illustration. That's exactly what I'm not going to do. Because if I plug it in, you're going to think that you can stay disconnected until the pastor comes around and plugs you into something. I want you to see this lamp on the platform serving no purpose this morning. And by it, help you to see that you could be in church. Some of you say, well, I came to church. You could be in church. You could be on the platform. You could be by the pulpit. You could hang out with the worship team and the pastor and still be disconnected. Amen? Now, 
The thing is, if I really wanted to connect this thing right where it's at, there's no place to plug it in. So I would need some kind of extension. I was crying when I wrote this. No prints. Because where it is now can't reach to where the power is. There's, 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 there's also some people who are introverts and some people who are extroverts and then there's people who are everywhere in between. So because some people are different, they connect differently. And so to, sometimes to connect, some, we're going to need adapters. Mm. That's just a beautiful... Let's, anyway, I've been pressing you on this picture that Paul uses for the church because I really want us to get it. 1 Corinthians 12, we're one body with many parts. Say amen. Each of us are gifted. Each of us set apart to play a part. That's a whole other message. Set apart to play a part. There's such a clear picture of what it's supposed to be. It's, it's a body where Christ is the head. Amen? What, what good is a body without the head? In our culture today, people try so hard to take Jesus out of the equation that we end up with headless spiritualities talking about they woke. When you're really woke, you understand that you can't have a body without the head. It's what connects everything. It's what sends and empowers and gives everything the ability to do what it was created to do. In this picture, Christ is the head. We're the body. Some men have an issue with this, but the word says he's the bridegroom and we're the bride. No cross-dressing. Like, like we've said, Paul writes about this also in Romans 12. That's Corinthians 12. In Romans 12, he says, sometimes we think of ourselves more highly than we should. When with sober judgment, we should walk in the measure that we've been given. Because in doing that, we're members of one another. Such a beautiful picture. Some people could look at that and say, that's holding people back from dreaming bigger. That's holding people back from doing greater. And, and the church just wants to control and keep. Listen, that's a matter of perspective. Because listen, if we would walk even in a percentage in the measure that God has, has created and put us in, we'd be supernaturally extraordinary in everything we did. How many believe that? This isn't about you're just this little piece of the puzzle and that's all you can be. This is more like you're that piece. Do you see how we can look at it differently? You're just a piece. You're that piece. You, sir, in the sixth row in the middle. You're that piece. You're that extension. You're that adapter that allows someone else to connect to the power. You get to bring power to someone. Have you ever had to plug something in that has three prongs and you only got a two-prong outlet? You, you, you understand. You know you got six of those little great things in the house somewhere. At least six, right? Everybody, every house. Except when you need one, 
I know what you men are yelling about. You guys break off the third prong. I do not recommend that. But, but sometimes you need, it, 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 that little thing seems insignificant until you try to make a connection. There's a picture, it's awesome and it's terrifying that God says to us, the church, that you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. It's terrifying and awesome, but there's a picture on you that no one else carries. And when you join yourself and play your part, the world will know him by us. Wow. Wow. Some of you are like, I just came to church, bro. Why are you laying all this stuff on me, man? I'm here. I came. Yeah, but you can be here and not do nothing. That's the point. I want you to be connected today. Amen. Jesus paints the same picture a different way. <laughs> and we can't talk about togetherness without Jesus' picture. In, in John 15, and I, I've, I preached on this 87 times, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it would be more fruitful. Listen, some of you are going through tough seasons and you think God hates you. God is pruning you so that you would be more fruitful. Amen? I'm going to tell you today the story of two men. The Bible doesn't even give us their names. But their stories are tragically similar. But there's one noticeable difference. And that difference is connection. The first one is found, and I want you, as we, as we, these are two really short stories, I want you to, to really put yourself in these stories because I really believe God is asking us today to check your connections. I really believe God is calling us today to check your connections. The first one is found in John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, it starts this way. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now there in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, there's a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda. Bethesda means house of mercy. So it's having five porticos, five porches, and in these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered. And a man was there that had been ill for 38 years. I want you to get this picture. There's this place. There's this large pool of water. There's five porches. And the sick come there every day. And they hide, they rest in those porches to get out of the burning the burning heat to get out and get some relief from the sun. But they hide in there and they're watching the pool all day. Because they believe that there would be some seasons where the power, there was going to be power in the water for healing. Some of your Bibles, if you're reading the ESV, the NIV, the King James, depending on your version, some of your Bibles will have 3B and verse 4 erased. And some of your Bibles will have 3B and 4 included, but with a footnote saying that this verse wasn't included in the early manuscripts. It's important to know that, right? 
Some believed, and here's what the little piece says or doesn't say, but it's backed up by what the man says to Jesus, so it's important that we still know it. Some believed that when the waters were stirred in this pool at the house of mercy, some believed that there was an angel of the Lord moving the waters, and then the first one to get in the pool after the water was stirred would receive their healing. That sounds... You know, powerful, sounds amazing. I, I really don't, I, I don't like the idea. Personally, I don't see God playing games with sick people like that. I don't see God in heaven saying, let me stir the waters. and let, look, 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 look at all these sick, invalid, disabled people, blind, lame. Look at them all running. The first one I got it, oh, he gets healed. The rest of you, ah, nothing. I don't, I, don't see, I don't see that. We don't see that anywhere else in scripture. We don't see, I don't see the heart of God that way. But this was what people were believing at that time. This is why they were gathered, right? Personally, you know, I, I don't see that. Yes, there are people that God chooses to heal one way or another, and there are some people that for whatever reason don't get healed. Listen, as your pastor, I wish I had the answer for that, but I'm not going to pretend to. This story is a perfect example that sometimes God chooses to heal some and not others. Okay, there are times that we read in the Gospels where, where it says, and everyone brought their sicknesses to Jesus and he healed all of them. But this was not one of those times. I want you to see the tragic scene and picture this tragic scene. There are sick people everywhere waiting on this perhaps superstitious day, you know, uh, belief day after day with the hope that maybe today's the day the angel will come and stir the waters. Maybe today's the day there'll be healing in the waters. Maybe today's the day I'll get to be the first one to get in the water. Maybe today is the day I get my healing. So it's a tragic scene, right? Imagine an entire building like this waiting for a healing and knowing only one will get it and only in a season. So it might not be this week. It might not be next week. It, it, it's tragic, maybe. And so in verse 6 it says, And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you wish to get well? And the sick man answered, Sir, that means he didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't call him Lord. He didn't call him Jesus. He didn't call him God. He, he said, sir. See, mercy had come to the house of mercy that day, but nobody noticed it. Because they were trusting in their superstitions. They were trusting in their own. They, sometimes we say, God, you have to do it this way. And when he could be all around it and all in it, and you don't even recognize it because you told him how he needs to do it. He says, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred because while I'm still approaching, another steps down before me. This crippled man assumed that Jesus knew how things worked here at the pool of Bethesda. <coughs> and he was explaining to Jesus why it wasn't possible for him to be healed. Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And he said, that's not possible because I have no one to put me in. And when I try to get in, I drag myself to somebody beats me to it. And so I'm, I'm not, it's not possible. Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your bed 
and walk. And immediately the man became well, picked up his pallet, his bedroll, and he began to walk. See, this man, like the rest of the people that were holding on to religion and to superstition, but he acted on the word of faith that Jesus gave him at the moment, and he walked in it. See, when Jesus tells you to do something, we got to either choose to do it or not do it. We can walk in it, or we can say, nah, that can't happen. He got in trouble with the religious Jews. The religious Jews saw this man who had been paralyzed for 38 years picking up his bed and walking, and the only issue they had was, this is the Sabbath, you can't pick up your bed, that's working, you're breaking God's commandment. Church people will do that to you sometimes. Church people will do that to you sometimes. You're coming out the baptism dripping with water, and they say, yeah, but you know that thing, you better change, you know you're living with that man, you better, you know, blah, blah, blah. and church people will do that. They, they, they forget about the healing, forget about the change, forget about what you're doing, forget about what God is doing. They're saying, you're doing something wrong. And so they, they approach him, and he got scared, and he does a Takashi, and he says, it was that man. It was that man who told me to pick up the mat. That's the only reason I picked up the mat. He ratted on Jesus real quick. Jesus meets him later. All the people asking him, who's Takashi? You find out later. So, so Jesus, Jesus tells him later. He catches up with him later. And he tells him, listen, do not. He catches him on the side. He tells him, don't keep on sinning. Because if you do, a worse fate will happen to you. What could be worse than being paralyzed for 38 years with a sickness and not being healed? Maybe he was talking about eternity. Maybe he was talking about the, the, the longer time, amen? amen? Well, Jesus was saying you can be healed physically, but he needed to be healed spiritually. He needed to have his sins forgiven. Jesus was calling him to repentance, but instead it appears he just went and told the officials, I found out who the man was. It was Jesus, and he ratted on him. And the words that jump out to me in light of our series together, in light of talking about unity, in light of talking about connection, were these. He said, Jesus, he says, sir, I have no man to put me in. I got nobody. What he was saying was, I'm alone. I'm here by myself. There's people here in the building, believe it or not, that come, they've been coming to church for years, but they're here by themselves. And they might smile and they might shake your hand at the door and they might hug the 16 ushers that will hug you on the way here. But they feel alone. We're together but not connected. And so the, he, he was saying, I'm connected. The people that I'm connected with will sooner push me out of the way for their own good. Church, you got to check your connections. Not everybody in your boat is rowing. Second story. Second story, the different man. This one gives us another picture. In Mark 2, it says, now, I, I, let me give you the background. At this point, 
Um, Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist, and, and, the, and John the Baptist is like, well, I can't baptize you. You're, you know, and he says, listen, just do it, man. We got to do it. This is what the scripture says is going to do. This is what's going to happen. And so Jesus gets baptized, and, and the, the spirit of God falls upon him, and, and God says, in this, in him, I am, I am well pleased. You know, like this big, so everybody knows this is Jesus, man. Anybody that was there knows that's Jesus. And so they know him. And so now he's going around and he's starting to heal people. He's starting to, they're bringing people that are demon-possessed. And he's like, Cállate, get out. Be healed in Jesus' name. Sigue. And, 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 and you know, he's just, he's doing it. He's, and, and so everywhere he goes, now he's drawing a crowd. Bigger than Kanye's. Everywhere he goes, he's drawing crowds. Because people understand that he's Jesus now. People recognize him and say, that's the man that healed my cousin's cousins, the fulana from, from down the block. That's the one. That, that's the one. Remember this guy that was always cursing and he, was, he had full of, full of demons? That's the one that, that he ran into Jesus. Jesus talked to him. That's the one. So everywhere he went now, even when he tried to get away, we read the Gospels, that sometimes he tried to get away to rest. There's sometimes that, but it says the crowd gathered and he had compassion on the crowd. And he healed them and fed them and, 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 and blessed them. And so when he, when he shows up at the pool of Bethesda, nobody recognized him at that point. But they were still looking for healing, but they, they were set on God doing it their way. They didn't see that God was right among them, right? And, and, and that's why sometimes God has to ask us, do you want to get well, bro? Look at your connections. Are the people you're connected with today helping you to get better? Young people, you got to listen to the rest of this message, okay? This, the... the, the the last three hours, take your AirPods off and listen to me. This matters. This is for you. Are your connections making you better? Are they bringing you to the right places? If, if you, let, let, me, let me backtrack here. If you ever had an old car, how many of you ever drove an old car? I know some of you are rich, but how many of you ever drove an old car? You know, you know that if you don't clean the battery terminals, how many of you had this, you know what I'm talking about. It starts to get corrosion around that thing, and, and sometimes there's a buildup around those terminals, and sometimes it's like it gets really, really bad, and it gets to the point where the car can't charge the battery, and the battery can't start the car. And so you get to the point where you have no power, and you have to take it to a mechanic, you got to call, and you think you got all these major problems wrong with the car because you know it's old, you know it makes noises when you turn left, you know, it, you, 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 know you got to keep it at a certain, you know, you, you understand this car, but now you think it's these big things, and all they got to do is check your connections and when they clear your connections then boom you connect and you have full power going back to the car if you check and clean your connections you'll have power and you'll be on your way come on that's that's a message that'll preach so, so, so Jesus is walking in, in the power of God he's drawing crowds everywhere he goes here we go the second story Mark 2 it says, a few days later, Jesus enters Capernaum, and the people heard that he had come home. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. I want you to see this picture now. This is a good picture. Jesus is in this house. Some people believe it was Peter's house. He's, he's, they say he's back home. He, he's, he's in this house, and man, they found out Jesus is there. Like, if they found out Jesus came to church today, like, you know, everybody comes, right? And so they, they're gathered in. They're full. There's no room, it says, to go in or to go out. There are people even standing outside just saying, shh, shh, shh. We're just listening, man. We're listening. 
It's crowded, everybody, right? Jesus is preaching. He's telling them stories. Uh, 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 imagine he's just like dropping wisdom. Imagine the word of God who is the word. In the beginning was the word and he is the word. The word became flesh. Imagine the word dropping word on people. That's, man, that's a good pastor right there, right? That's a good preacher. He's dropping it. Verse 3, it says, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four. So four brothers are bringing their friend who's confined to this mat, and we don't know from where, we don't know how far they traveled, but we know that they can't get into the house because the house is packed. There was no way in, no way out. How many of you understand that some friends at this point might say, bro, we tried? Right? We tried, bro. I carried you here from Brooklyn. You are a heavy dude, bro. It took four of us. That's kind of an indication that dude might have been, right? Four guys. Some people might have said, man, maybe next time. Some people might have said, maybe a better friend might have said, man, you know what? Why don't we just wait? We'll see. Maybe when he's done preaching, maybe when the crowd disperses, maybe we can catch him, right? But then some of us had that friend say, bro, they're already on the Uber app. They're like, I'm out of here. Back then it was camels and donkeys. That's the XL and the X. And so some, some friends were already calling Uber. They were bringing. Some people might have left. Amen. You understand. But this guy had good connections. Mm. This guy was connected. Verse 4, it says, since they couldn't not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. Listen, those houses back then, usually there were one floor or two floor, but there was a stairway that went up to the roof because they would use the roof. And so these guys, <coughs> they, they got up to the, to the it, it says they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, tearing through it, and then lowered the mat with the man lying on it. While the other man spoke to Jesus, he said, sir, I don't got nobody to throw me in. I don't got nobody that can bring me. Nobody that lift me up. This man had a community that he was connected to. Are you seeing the difference? He was, he was, they not only would they carry him, not only would they lift him up, not only would they make a way where there appeared to be no way and lower him. Can you imagine the scene? Jesus is preaching. He's dropping revelation after revelation. His followers are loving it. The religious Jews are hating it. People are getting blessed. He's dropping things only he can drop. He's probably saying like, look, and, and I'm going to share with you the, 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 the three secrets to know the heart of God. And number one, and, and boom, dirt hits him on the head. And, and people say, what the? Right? The whole room says, what the? And there's dirt coming down. And, and more dirt is coming down. And pieces of, of uh, thatch and pieces of, of, of rock and, and tile are coming down. And they're hitting. And people are moving out the way. Say, what's going on? And they're looking up. And all of a sudden, there's light in the ceiling. They, you can see through the ceiling. They say, what's going on? And then, and then they, they keep looking. And the hole's getting bigger. And people, nobody's talking anymore. Everybody's just watching. And the hole's getting bigger and bigger. And then, you know, all, all of a sudden, it's, 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 it's clear. And, and so... They, they, there's four Navy SEALs just dropping one of their own, you know, down in front of Jesus. 
This man had a community of faith. His connections were strong. These guys, I picture them now. They had camel pants on. They had TSF t-shirts that say, you belong. And they were, they were dropping this man down in the hole. They said, after we got him this close to Jesus, man, we're here. Jesus is in that room. No way we're leaving. We're going to get you to Jesus. Somehow, we're going to get in front of God. Somehow, God's going to touch you. Somehow, God's going to bless you. So they climbed on the roof and they tore it off. Let me ask you, church, how do you roll? Do you have connections like that? Do you have people that would tear down walls and open up ceilings to, to make you better? To get you closer to God. Verse 5 says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son. He called him son. Son, your sins are forgiven. Think about that. Somebody just got blessed not because of their faith, but because of who they were connected to. Grace is so scandalous. Re religion won't like to hear this preached. But grace is so scandalous. It says, when he saw their faith, the Navy SEALs, the TSF t-shirt guys, when he saw their faith, he said to the son, son, your sins are forgiven. Those men... Those men picked up an assist that day with Jesus. I'm trying to talk sports, sorry. <laughs> Jesus looked at the four men struggling with vines tied to each other in the corner. You remember, they didn't come prepared to do this. They had to, they got together, maybe they got their belts off, maybe they got their, their rope around their waist, they took their ropes off, and now they got baggy TSF t-shirts, and, and they're tying them together. They had to make and improvise something. And so Jesus sees them, he looks at them, and he says, and he saw their faith. Their faith could be seen. How do we see faith? Because you can't see faith unless you're walking in it. Where's the light? You can't see faith unless it's connected, unless it's walking, unless it's doing something. Amen? So their bold, determined action to bring their friend to Jesus proved they had real faith. Young people, young people, young people, young people, check your connections. Teenagers, check your connections. Sometimes, or even, even men, even, even us old folk, check your connections. Listen, sometimes it's like the car batteries. There's some corrosion around our connection preventing us from really connecting. Sometimes that corrosion looks like unforgiveness. Sometimes that corrosion that's on our back looks like offense. Well, you did that to me six years ago. I'm still not talking to you. Like, but we're in the same church. We're wearing the same T-shirts. We're drinking the same coffee. I still don't like you. Sometimes that corrosion looks like offense. Sometimes that corrosion looks like jealousy. Sometimes that corrosion looks like pride. I'm telling you, church, check your connections. Do whatever you got to do. 
Don't, like, don't even leave this place today until you do what you got to do to check your connections to make sure that you're connected as long as it depends on you. Listen, some people like to be offended. They want to stay in their fence. They want to stay there. That's fine. You can't control that. You can't make nobody connect with you, but you can remove the corrosion on the blue wire for you. Amen? So that you can say and leave here and leave the house of, of the, the building, the place where we gather to praise God. We can leave this house knowing I did everything I could to make sure that there is no corrosion between me and you, man. Young people, check your connections. To walk in power, this is, this is deep, tweet this. To walk in power, you have to be willing to have power flow through you. See, too often in church, we, we think it's just me. If I could get plugged in, I get the power. That's awesome, and I get what I need, and I get a fix. But that's about you. You have to be willing to be an extension cord that has multiple heads. So that once I made it all the way here to the power brick, I now come over here, and there's six places for, for, for other people to connect into and to plug into. Amen? Because, because you couldn't get over there, but I was able to get over there. I get, I'm the extension. I'm the, oh, you got three prong, and then we got a two prong. Here's an adapter. I'm the adapter. Connect to me, and I'll connect to the power. We have to be willing to have power flow through us. What places are your friends dropping you into? That person you love so much, does he have the faith to carry you and to bring you to the blessing place, to bring you to wherever God is stirring the waters and to make sure you get blessed? Are your connections bringing you closer to God or taking you further? Okay, back to the story. Sorry. At first, the four guys probably got something they weren't expecting. What did Jesus say first? He says, son, your sins are forgiven. Odd. Not what we brought him here for. If you're one of the four guys, you're probably saying, I don't want to carry a forgiven man back home. <laughs> right? I want to walk out with a healed man who's hopefully forgiven. But Jesus gives the man what he needs most. Come on, somebody had to hear that today. Jesus always gives us what we need most. We can say, God, I, what I need is a healing from this. God, what I need is this. What I need is to make this right. What I need is, and Jesus will give us what we need most, which is a straight connection to him. He tells him, son, your sins are forgiven. The teachers of the law, they started thinking to themselves, wait a minute, he can't do that, only God. He was stirring, grace loves to stir up feathers, amen, loves to stir up waters. He, the, the teachers of the law started thinking to themselves, he can't do that, only God can forgive sins. See, they had a belief, that, the Jewish law had a belief that, that sick, all sickness was from sin, and so somebody can't be healed until their, until their sins are forgiven. So in their mindsets, you can't, he can't be forgiven, he can't be healed until his, and so, and so immediately Jesus says, verse 8, he says, he knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and so he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk? 
Because I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. And he got up, took up his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. See, Jesus did what they could see so that they can believe what they couldn't see. Forgiveness is the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performs. We don't see that, but it meets the greatest need. It costs the greatest price. It brings the greatest blessing, and it has the more lasting results. That friend got healed because his friends together brought him to Jesus. Wow. That's a good message for bring, your, bring somebody back to church. Amen. Worship team, come, come. Quick recap. <coughs> so one man is alone, and he suffered for 38 years. And the beautiful picture of that, even that one. Hold on. Side note. The beautiful part about that is that it says... He knew, Jesus knew how long he'd been there. Listen, God in his mercy meets us even when we're alone, even when we get to the point where we can't help ourselves. And I love that God knew how long he suffered. Somebody needs to receive that today. God knows how long you've suffered. And there's an expiration date on your trials and on your suffering. See, grace works differently with everyone. One man he healed physically and called them to repentance. One man was brought to repentance by the faith of his friends and then got healed, saved, and delivered from the crippling effects of sin. To each of them, he said, get up, take up your mat, and walk. There's action in those words. There's faith in action and there's responsibility. God is calling us today to check our connections. And if there are things that we're connected to that don't connect us back to God, unplug. That might sound crazy. But unplug. And if we don't have connections that connect us all the way back to the power of God, Plug in. Amen? Amen. Plug in. If this is not a good church for you, find the church that's good for you and plug in. Amen? Don't keep visiting six different churches. Don't keep showing up to every place. Find find the church that's good for you. Find the one that's right for you and plug in and get connected. Don't be a lamp. Don't just wear the t-shirt. So, okay, I'm done with this series. So thank you for coming. <laughs> Those of you that came for the national, you know, back to church Sunday and you stuck around for three weeks, thank you for coming. You can choose now to go back to your regularly scheduled programming or you can meet me in the water tonight. And get connected. And take... 
your relationship to another level and take your walk to another place and say, but it's going to, listen, Jesus is saying right now, get up, take up your mat and walk. That means you take your own, you're responsible for your stuff. Amen? Too many times we want to put it on the pastor, we want to put it on the leadership, we want to put it on the church. This church doesn't meet my need. Man, shut up. You're the church. If there's a need, fill it. Or shut up. Amen? I'm not angry. But I want you to be, I believe God wants us to have connections. Amen? I believe God wants us. After healing that, that first man, the religious people of that time, they began to persecute. That was the event that started the persecution. And they began to persecute Jesus using that incident as proof that Jesus was working on the Sabbath and breaking God's law. From that point on, they started plotting. They said, this man, Jesus, is dangerous. He breaks the law. He breaks God's law. He's not God. He says he's God. He's healing and forgiving people. He's, not, he's doing what he can't do. And this started the persecution. And, and Jesus, in his defense, I love this, in John 5, he says, my father's always working. He never stops working. And neither do I. My father never stops working. Come on, let's worship.